Tonight's Bible reading comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, good evening. How are we? Still good? That's good. Good to hear. So uh, we are obviously commencing a new series this evening on how to read the Bible. And um, this is going to be a series which hopefully is more beneficial to you than to anyone else. So please, um, you know, if you've got any suggestions or anything like that, we'd really like to hear what you'd like us to cover and those types of things. So um, it's going to be a five-week series and uh, those topics that we're going to cover... Can I have mine up the back too, please? It just makes it easy so I know where I am. And we're not working tonight? There we go. Okay, so we've got these five topics that we're going to be covering. So tonight, we're going to be covering having the right goals and reading with humility. Uh, then next week, we're going to cover observation, paying attention to the details, what Scripture is actually saying. And then there's going to be um, interpretation, uh, which is going to talk about discerning the author's flow of thought um, and studying the world behind the text, what's actually happening in the community and things like that. Reading in light of Scripture as a whole, so not taking Scripture in isolation, but considering what it says elsewhere in Scripture. And then um, the four Fourth week is going to be about application, living what you actually read, applying that to your lives and allowing that to transform you. Then on the fifth week, uh, Pastor Darrell is going to give a brief message and then we're going to have a question and answer night. We're going to have a panel up the front and uh, the panel is actually going to discuss how they read the Bible and, and what actually works for them. And um, so we, we would like you to come along to that. And certainly on that night, uh, we'd also like to answer any questions that you may have, either about stuff that we've covered or questions for, for matters that we haven't covered. So we're going to have this little box every week. Nice, isn't it? You like it? And we're going to have these cards here. We're going to have pens here. This is open to anyone. You don't have to put your name on the question or anything like that. We'd like you to jot down your questions, slot them in the top. There's a big slot there. There are only little cards, so they'll fit. So uh, please do that. And um, don't, don't feel that any question's silly. We, we really want to cover everything. We want people to learn. And, uh, you know, it'd be great if we have questions in there that we didn't think about. We go, you know what, that's actually really good. Let's cover that. Let's make sure we touch base so, so that people learn as much as possible. So um, this series is actually based on um, an OSAC course by Michael DeFazio. And uh, it's available on Right Now Media if you'd like to touch base and go through uh, what he says too. They're all 10-minute videos. So um, they're actually quite good videos as far as their brevity and uh, being able to pick up more information and things like that. And what I, what I do ask you to consider, though, this is obviously a topical subject. 
So in order, we can't actually tie it directly to scripture. We can't turn to a book of the Bible unless we go to Hezekiah 13, which is my favorite book. And we quote directly from there. So please, you know, give us a bit of... Grace, uh, as we move through this and realize that it's not something that we can actually expand from scripture. This is something that we're doing because we want you to learn. We want you to grow. We want you to uh, hopefully engage with scripture more. So as we get into it, let's um, pray. Father God, we thank you that you've chosen this way to communicate to us. It is you that has inspired the word that is before us. And Lord, we want so desperately to understand you. And Lord, the way we do that, the only way we can do that is to read your word and engage with you with what we see there. So Lord, will you just open our hearts, our minds to you this evening? Will you allow us to hear your voice? And Lord, will you give us this desire, this hunger, this passion to read your word and not just read your word, dig deeper into it, Lord, to grow to know you more so that, Lord, our lives will be transformed because we know what you expect from us. We know your will because we've drawn closer to you. So, Father, be present with us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we start this, I want you to think about your Bibles. I'm not sure what it's like. I mean, now in in this stage in my life, I must have something like a dozen Bibles. And and, um, I've got a few that are there, which I hand out quite readily to people. Um, But there's other Bibles there that I keep. There's a Bible that I actually mark and write in. Uh, Then I have my Bible that I bring to church that I preach from, which doesn't have any marks in it at all. This is also my study Bible, um, because when I read a passage of scripture, I don't want to have my eyes drawn to something. I've already marked so I read a blank Bible and then I mark it in my other Bible that is marked and um, that's the way I do things I've also got a really nice Bible that um, this awesome church gave me have you heard of Sunnybank District Baptist Church awesome people awesome people and they gave me this beautiful Bible I actually use that for my weddings it's great to actually have a special Bible that I can do that with and it's gorgeous and I pull it out sometimes and read from it because it's just a beautiful Bible and I'm not exaggerating it's made of goat skin it's just It's beautiful. It's a lovely Bible. But the thing is, as I grew up, the Bible was one of those things that we hunted around the house for on Sunday, made sure we wiped the dust off, and then we tucked it under our arms so we had that correct, pious, religious look that you you did need, okay? You know, there's a certain way to carry your Bible, right? And, and, you know, if you carry it correctly, people think you're so spiritual. People think you actually read it. And, you know, guys, I'll give you a hint. If you hold your Bibles like this and do this, it actually gets this worn look and and people will actually believe you read it. And, 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 you know, that's... I I do read mine. This is worn. It's not just because... But that's what I grew up with. You know, the Bible was only pulled out on Sunday. And the rest of the week, well, it just got dumped somewhere when we came home from church on Sunday. And then, like I say, we'd frantically run around Sunday morning trying to find it so we could do things right. I'm not sure if that's your experience, but but that's what I grew up with. And I know you guys don't do that because you've got electronic devices. Hey, I can't imagine someone coming in with their phone tucked under their arm. Anyway, but, but you know, it just doesn't work these days, hey. But we've got access to God's word more than we ever had before. And, and I've got to say, I, I, I'm, I always said I hated smartphones because my old Nokia, you know, I only had to charge it once a week and its voice recognition was awesome and everything like that. But now I've got a smartphone where I've got my Bible on it. I've got all these other apps that I can use which help me engage with scripture and things like that. I wouldn't be without it. You know, you've got a spare five, ten minutes when you're waiting for someone, you can actually open up your Bible. You've got it right there with you. You can read it. So we've got access to the word, which is absolutely awesome. 
And the thing is, this book, the Bible, what we have is actually a collection of books, and I'm sure you all all know that. So we've got these 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, and and then we have um, 27 in the New Testament, and, and the original manuscripts are written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. Okay, so what we have is a translation. And I, like most Christians, believe that this is the inspired word of God. The authors didn't speak from their limited perspective. This wasn't something they created. They were not the origin of the words that are contained within Scripture. And what they were, they were a channel for God's truth. God spoke very clearly through them. And I believe that's what it says quite clearly in 2 Peter 1.21. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And what we have is not a book that is an interpretation of what God said. I believe it's a book that from beginning to completion, Holy Spirit himself hovered over them. Holy Spirit hovered over the words that were being written. And Holy Spirit ensured by his constant presence that the message that was written down was directly from God. It is a correct and true word. These authors were carried along by Holy Spirit. With that in mind, I want you to keep thinking about that as we move through this series. But as we approach God's word, when we think about reading God's word, we have to approach it with the correct goals. And regardless of whatever we're doing, it's important to understand what it is we're trying to achieve. So what are we trying to achieve when we read the Bible? As simplistic as it sounds, what we're trying to achieve is actually wrapped up in the kind of book the Bible is. And I hope that I've emphasized enough that I believe that the Bible is God's inspired word. I hope you get that, and I really hope you believe that. But it's also more than that. I believe it's a living word of God. I believe it's active. I believe it can speak to us constantly and continuously, even if you read the same chapter again and again and again. And I believe this is God's way of communicating with us. I believe he wants to communicate with us, and I believe he does. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, as we read, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Everything we need in our lives, in living for the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, we can find in Scripture. We can find direction. God, the divine, almighty, all-powerful, omnipresent, holy, righteous one, wants to communicate with us. I hope you believe that. And he's spoken to speak to us at this time through his word, the Bible. And it's in a form that we can understand. So there's two goals that we should have when reading the word. And the first one's mentioned in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So first and foremost, as we approach God's word, we should have this mindset that we want to hear from God. Amen? Is that why we read the word? It should be. It should be the reason why we approach it. And we should not be reading solely for knowledge or to understand the biblical history account of Jesus or anything like that. Our reading is not to gain more information. If we declare ourselves to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are worshippers of him. And because this is his word, we should approach it with wanting to hear his voice, understanding what it is that he's actually saying. 
And if our desire is to genuinely hear from God and to be doers of his word or what he tells us to do. Oh, sorry. We, we want to hear. We want to hear what God says. And it's not only about hearing what God says. The second goal that we have is that we should want to discover the author's intended meaning. We need to honour God's chosen way of communicating with us. And, and we prove that we're honouring that way of him communicating with us by not just reading his word, but by doing it. We need to respond to what his word calls us to. And is that our desire? Are we agreeing to do that? Because if it is our desire to genuinely hear from God and to be doers of his word or what he tells us to do, then we need to ensure that we understand who it is who determines the meaning of the text. And I think people have differing opinions on who determines the meaning of the text when you read a book. I think, you know, we've possibly all read those books where you decide the ending uh, as kids and teenagers. There were those books where you could go through all different types of finishes to the text. And uh, some, so some people say it's actually the reader that determines what, what the text is saying. Some will say it's actually the text itself. And others will say it is the author. And, and I believe it is actually the author. And I think each of us have had that experience where we send a text or we send an email or we send something like that and the person comes back at us and we're like, whoa, they didn't understand what I said at all. And so you've got to contact them and you've got to tell them what it was that you really meant. That's because they've read the text and they've interpreted it the way that they think is correct, but that's actually not what you meant. So you as the author contact them and say, hey, that's not right. This is what I really meant. And so it's the same with what we have with Scripture in front of us. We, that's the way we should think of it. It's the author who determines the meaning. And we have to carefully consider his intent and his ways in what he says as we approach Scripture. And so when it comes to reading Scripture, there's two ways to read. One's exegesis and one's eisegesis. So exegesis eisegesis, sorry, is reading meaning into the text. Now, you'll find some people who preach in front of a church and things like that, they've got their hobby horses, and uh, who knows what their hobby horses are, but they have this tendency to decide on the message they're going to give, and then they squeeze scripture to actually support that message. Have you ever experienced that? Come on, I have tons of times. Yeah, so, so you have this eisegesis, and generally speaking, uh, unlike tonight, uh, Pastors and preachers will speak exegesis, where they actually look at the scripture and they draw the meaning out of the text for you. That's how we should approach scripture. It's obviously the second way that we should be doing. And we want to be drawing the meaning from the text. And I said before that the author, it is the author that determines the meaning of the text. So drawing meaning from the text is not about ignoring the author. It's about studying the text, looking to discern God's voice by discovering his intended meaning. We need to be sensitive to Holy Spirit and his prompting so that as we read, we're listening to God in order to understand the text. 2 Timothy 2.7 says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Has someone got the NIV? Yep, what's the NIV say? Two seven. Reflect on what I am saying. Okay, other translations say consider 
what I am saying. It's about dwelling on the scripture. You know, I think we have a tendency to open God's word and, you know, we've got to tick that box to say that we spent a quiet time with God so we rip through that passage or two that we have to get done. We tick the box and we race off. That's not what reading scripture is real about. If we want to engage with God, we have to come without that ticking the box approach. We have to think over what it is we read. And uh, I don't do this, but my wife does this. She actually writes out every passage that she reads. She must have heaps and heaps of notes. But she writes it out because she finds that as she writes it, she's thinking about every word. She's thinking about how that goes together. She's thinking about what God is really saying in that context. But I want to encourage you, when you read, just read through the scripture, but then go back and think about what it's actually saying. Spend some time in it. And if there's something you don't understand, make a note of it. And say, God, you know, what's going on here? What is it? What is it that you're actually saying? Because our desire is to understand what is being written. And that brings us to our next point. You know, we have to prayerfully approach Scripture. We have to ask for God's help. And if we ask for his help, do you think he's going to give us the understanding that we need to hear his voice and know what he's saying? That's what it tells me in the very Scriptures we're talking about. And so as we approach Scripture, we also have to approach it with humility. We have to read with humility. And who thinks that's a bit weird? No one. Okay, we'll move on to the next point. But, but it is a bit of a strange thing to say. And when we approach Scripture with humility, I mean, this is the only way to approach Scripture, really. It allows us to get as much as possible out of it. And none of us, this side of eternity will ever get to a stage where we know God to such an extent that we don't need to know anything else. Each of us, each and every day, has got more to learn. And if the way God speaks to us is through his word, then we should always come with an expectation that God is going to speak. And he's going to tell us or show us something new. And I just love the passages of scripture that emphasize this. I've just pulled two out of the psalm. Psalm 25, 9. He leads the humble in what is right and he teaches the humble his way. Psalm 119, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. That we're reading what God says and we're being obedient to it. And if we approach scripture humbly, knowing that each and every time we open God's word, he can teach us something new, he will do it. If we come with expectation, he will do it. And the tension is, if we come with a hardness of heart, unwilling to listen to God, unwilling to obey what he says, then he isn't going to reveal things to us. And this isn't because God only blesses the goody two-shoes and those who do everything right, or because he's mean or vindictive or selfish or anything else. It's because he's a good father. And we don't have a surplus of parents here this evening, but for those of us who are, and you teenagers who are always 100% obedient to your parents, this won't apply to you. When we speak to our kids, there's times it's best for us to remain silent. Amen? Yeah. Elena, I don't know if you've picked this up, Elena is an incredible academic. She was an OP1, and, you know, I was like, who knows? 
OP 4,956 or something. But Elena so desperately wants our kids to be academic achievers. And so when she's explaining a topic, she won't actually give that up until the kids have actually got it. And, you know, I've stood there and I've watched Elena, who, who doesn't do things forcefully, but she's trying to get the kids to understand this. And the kids are rolling their eyes and they're drumming the table and they're doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things. And I go, hey, babe, let's just leave that. Hey. But Charlie is like, no, hun. Let's just let that slide. Were the kids listening? No. And what you don't want to do is develop a habit when you start talking about something that's important to them that they just shut down and stop listening. God is a better father, a better parent than I am ever going to be. And he wants so much more for us. So if you're going to ignore him, if you're going to shut his voice down every time he speaks, if you're not going to be obedient to him, He's going to remain silent for a period of time until you desire to connect with him again. And then he'll begin to prompt you once more. He wants us to listen to him. And more than that, he wants us to obey him. So if we're not going to, he's just going to remain silent for a while. And you'll find that scripture just doesn't speak to you as much. If that's you, I need to talk to you after the service. We need to actually get that turned around. So uh, please come and talk to me. But he's a much better father than I'll ever be. And... um, I think what we need to do is approach God and ask him to talk to us. Ask him to reveal his truth to us. Ask him to prepare us to hear from him as much as we can. And with this in mind, I think in order to prepare to hear God, we need to pray. And I believe as I read scripture, Holy Spirit continues to hover near He indwells me, of course. There's no doubt at all about that. But I believe there's something about God's word and Holy Spirit, me engaging with God and and Holy Spirit making that word alive to me. And um, I, I believe he waits to stir our hearts, to illuminate our minds to biblical truth, to redirect our lives, to call us to obedience and prompt us to action. And I believe that happens when we engage with the word. Who's had those opportunities where you open the word and you're sharing with someone, you see that spark go on in their eyes? Yeah. Is that exciting? I mean, that's, that's what I live for. I just love it. I, I sit with my Connect group and, you know, we, we delve into some pretty deep things sometimes. And I just love it when someone finally gets it. You know, they might have just been protesting a little bit before that. And then it falls into place. And you're like, wow, that's awesome. That's not me. I, I, I can't do that. That's Holy Spirit. That's him opening their eyes to the biblical truth that's right before them. And then they engage with it. And they're moved because they have heard God's voice. And so we need to pray. We, we need to pray to God before we read. And um, we need to ask him to open our spiritual eyes. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. We ask God to show us glimpses of his glory. We ask him to show us his purposes that we can't see on our own. We ask him to do what we can't do in our own strength. And so we pray to God, Before we read, we pray to God while we read, and we pray to God after we read. And I think initially we should pray that God opens our eyes, as I've said, to his word, um, because we're not totally humble when we approach scripture. We'll get to that in a moment. And many of us are not ready to obey. But if we at least pray that, it shows that that's what we desire. And and we want to hear him. We want to submit to him. And if you keep wrestling with him, he's going to open your eyes. We ask God, as we read scripture, to help us understand those things that we don't. 
And again, I believe he helps us. He guides us. He reveals to us those things that are particularly challenging. And then when we finish, we ask God to let us not forget what that challenge was or what is laid upon our hearts and to continually bring it to mind so we can dwell upon it and remember his word. And then we have to check our assumptions at the door. And this, this is a difficult thing. And I'm not sure if you think about this when you come to read God's word. Um, and, and I know some people will say they don't, they don't have assumptions. But the, real, the reality is we all do. When we come to scripture, each of us have come with some preconceived ideas about what scripture says or about what God says about a particular topic. And one of the most abused passages of scripture in my time as a Christian is this one. When it comes to Ephesians 5, there's plenty of men in my history who would say, well, that's enough from Ephesians 5. That's all the women need to know. And some men and some churches have used this passage for a very long time to insist it doesn't matter what is going on in the house. Women have to submit to their husbands, regardless of the physical, psychological and emotional abuse that could be there. It doesn't matter. Scripture says wives submit. That's not what that passage of scripture says. The call for wives to submit is with the understanding that husbands will treat their wives as God treats the church. In fact, in this passage of scripture, there's a little bit to the wives and there's a heck of a lot to the guys. Interesting, the guys seem to ignore that bit. So if we continue to approach this passage of scripture with that warped understanding of what it really says... We'll never appreciate the richness of the relationship God is talking about. That relationship between husband and wife. A relationship that is one full of joy and freedom that is intended for both husband and wife. And it's biblical love. And it's a submission that the women will freely do and freely give if the husband is living as that passage says that he should. If we just do surface readings uh, without trying to understand or dig deeper or seeking to understand what God's saying, um, you know, we can fall into a bit of a trap. What about this one in Genesis 22:12? He said, this is God speaking, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. What, God didn't know before? This is the all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing God, and suddenly he learned something new about Abraham? What's going on here? And so if we only do a surface reading, um, we, we could get stumble on passages such as this. What about those friends of yours and perhaps you yourself have said, I cannot believe in a God who would allow X, Y, Z. Have you heard that? And so often it's just plucking something out of Scripture without considering what all the Scripture says about God. So we've got to park all those things at the door. We've got to say, I'm going to approach Scripture and I'm going to hear what this passage actually says. I remember when I was growing up, uh, I had a lot of well-intending people who would say, our heavenly father is just like your earthly father. I couldn't pray the Lord's Prayer for years because it started off our father. And if my heavenly father was like my father, ain't no way, not even interested. In all of these cases... We have to be willing to acknowledge at the very least we sometimes approach scripture with assumptions. So what should we do? Uh, I just want to give you a couple of pointers to finish up with. 
Okay, I think first and foremost, we have to recognise that we all have assumptions. And I know, I know that's really difficult for you to accept, for some people to accept, but we have to be aware of, of what we think sometimes. And uh, I think sometimes we, we do this spontaneously as well. You know, we open the Word and uh, we start reading the Bible. What do you think when you suddenly come upon a word that's like judgment? What's freedom? What's wrath? What's marriage? What's sin? And when you read those words, what are the things that come to mind immediately for you? And if you've, if you've had things conjure up in your mind, um, is there a chance that perhaps some of those thoughts would not be in line with what Scripture actually says? Or the particular passage that you're reading, and that's not what it actually says. And if that's the case, you, you have to be willing to recognise that, that you have assumptions about those words and, and perhaps you're bringing those in to the way that you actually read Scripture. So once you've recognised these assumptions, once you've said, well, actually, I do actually do that, um, we have to evaluate those assumptions. And, and so what we do, we have to think through our assessment or assumptions of those words that um, have caused that situation. Or it may even be a phrase that will affect an interpretation of Scripture. How do they line up with the passage of Scripture that is before you? Is the way you're thinking counter to what Scripture appears to actually be saying? And I think we've got some beliefs, some Christian beliefs, which are like that. We've decided on one course of action. We've decided on one doctrine, which is perhaps not true to Scripture. And so we have a tendency to twist or bend Scripture to fit into what we're saying. And I'm asking you not to do that. Think about the fact, this is what I believe. But when you approach Scripture, allow Scripture to speak. Don't take your preconceived ideas and allow Scripture to be bent to form what you would like it to say. And so we must evaluate our thoughts. I think this way. Scripture says this. We need to note the similarities and the differences. And if you're really struggling with it, write them down. I think this, Scripture says this. Look at them. Compare them. And then the hard bit. You have to submit. We must have an attitude of submission to God and His Word. We must be willing to allow our assumptions to be confirmed or corrected by what scripture actually says. And we must be willing to allow scripture to change us. That's part of being obedient to what God's word says. That's the commencement of our series. I hope that's been beneficial. I don't know what God's saying to you tonight. I just ask that if God's prompted you about something there, perhaps you've had assumptions Perhaps you haven't allowed scripture to speak for itself and, and, and you want to confess that. You want to say sorry to God, but you prefer to come alongside someone and pray together. I'm more than willing to do that with you. Perhaps you have heard a few things which make you think, you know what, my, my reading life, the time I spend in God's word isn't what it should be. Come forward, let's have a chat. Let's see if there's something we can work out where we can help you actually start to engage with God's word. And perhaps you think this is just all waffle and we should be approaching in another way. Come forward and talk about that too. I would love to hear from you. We really want to help you in this series. And again, you may have questions uh, that you don't want to talk to me about. Just jot them down, slide them in the box. We'll get onto them in week five. Let's just pray. 
Father God, I thank you so much for your presence, for your power and your love that you pour out upon us so freely. Lord, I thank you more than anything that you want us to hear from you. You want to communicate with us. And Lord, communication isn't just us hitting our knees on the floor and just babbling some prayers to you. Communication is you speaking to us, us being willing to spend time to listen to you, to delve into your word, Lord, and what you're saying. So Father, I pray for each and every one of us. You will open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears to hear what you have to say to us. Give us that time, Lord, where we can dwell richly in your word, Lord, and where we desire more of you as the deer pants for the water, Lord. My soul longs after you. May that be each and every one of our prayers, Lord. May we desire to know you more. And Lord, may this series be a turning point for us where we engage more with you in your word. Father, for those you've spoken to, Don't let them rest, Lord. Allow them to wrestle with you, wrestle with your word. And Lord, give them that fortitude to come forward if that's what you're calling them to do. And let's just celebrate together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.